Hello, friends. On this show, we are always trying to find answers on the unknown. When it comes to the best soft pretzel on the market, that mystery has been solved. Milwaukee Pretzel Company offers the best Bavarian-style soft pretzel outside of Munich. We love Milwaukee Pretzel not only for the taste, but also because they're established right in our home city, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. While living in Germany, owners Katie and Matt Wessel fell in love with the German Bretzel. When they returned home, they set out to recreate their favorite bretzel and share them with their friends and family. Thus, Milwaukee Pretzel Company was born. To this day, each pretzel is made by hand using traditional Bavarian recipe with notes of rye, malt, and real butter. Utilizing a time-honored baking process, high-quality ingredients, and no added sugar or preservatives, it's a tradition you can taste. Visit their online store at milwaukeepretzel.com for a variety of pretzel sizes, gift boxes, and of course, my personal favorite, the famous one-pound Bavarian Beast soft pretzel. Milwaukee Pretzel will ship nationwide, even to Hawaii. MKE Pretzel has extended a special coupon code for all locations unknown listeners. Just use the code UNKNOWN20 at checkout to receive 20% off of your order. Specific terms may apply. Again, that's UNKNOWN20 at checkout. Prost! Thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Arado, and with me as always is a guy who will always hold GameStop stock, Mike <laughs> Vandebogart. Uh, thanks, Joe, and thank you once again uh, for everyone tuning into the podcast. Don't have a lot of updates. Uh, first, I'd just like to thank our new Patreon supporters, uh, Jacob Weiss, Amber Bridges, Drew Nedley, and uh, Nicole Victor. So... Uh, thank you so much for helping us out. It it really means a lot. Uh, Hold on. Can we just acknowledge <laughs> that you went through those names just like you know everyone's name, like, perfectly. No issues, no nothing. It was perfect, Mike. I know. I'm, I'm just I'm perfect. <laughs> no. You're, get, you're getting better at this. Getting better. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, thank you for uh, supporting the show, and... Uh, we are recording our Patreon episode right after this episode, and we're actually going to be talking about some new uh, engagement we're going to be doing with our Patreon supporters. So um, if you, you want to hear that, uh, you can sign up for as little as $1 a month, so less than a cup of coffee. Um, and besides that, Joe, since our last episode, you have become a super famous TV star now. <laughs> yep, I have a, a publicist. Uh, so even just to record this episode, I had a separate contract signed with Mike. So it's getting pretty serious. You know? um, I'm just kidding. No, for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, we have been teasing this for six months, but Joe recently represented the podcast on The Unexplained with William Shatner, which airs on the History Channel. So... 
Uh, it's pretty cool. You had, uh, I think, three to three and a half minutes of, of airtime right right at the end. <laughs> yeah, right at the end. At first, I was like, wow, they just cut out everything I was doing. And then right at the end, we, uh, we got it. So it's a pretty cool segment. The episode in general was, uh, I thought, pretty cool and interesting. So if you want to see that uh, segment, you can head over to our YouTube channel. Or I posted the video on Reddit as well. So I know YouTube's blocking it for a lot of countries outside of the U.S. So Yeah, the U.K. in particular, you can't see it. Yeah, so if you go over to Reddit, uh, anyone can watch it there. So uh, check yeah, it. You know, what was, you know what was odd, too, about that whole thing is the, the episode was Bizarre Vanishings. And we did a couple episodes on a lot of the ones they covered. And I actually commented on a lot of the ones that they covered. But they only did the one for us that we did on Crater Lake. So... Um, it was just kind of weird because I spent a lot of time talking about the other ones and they actually left out a ton of information because I, you know, they only have a short period of time to fill the show. But what was really neat was I was able to tell people, hey, if you actually want to know more, because they left out some bombshell information on a couple of those stories that I think are super neat and help explain kind of what happened. But well, yeah, I'm just glad. Weird. Yeah, I'm glad you, you made it on. I know when I was watching, they had a teaser for like cutting into a commercial and I saw your face for like two seconds and then the episode kept going I'm like oh maybe, <laughs> maybe that's all you got <laughs> but uh no it <laughs> it was super cool and uh we're we're excited you know a lot of people have uh, commented and said they said you did a good job Joe so um, all right I, yeah mo- it was like my mom my family they all said <laughs> I did great no <laughs> Yeah. No, I got a lot of a lot of people that, that reached out and saw it. Didn't even know we were doing it and saw it, and they, they liked it, and it helped boost uh, the show's profile just a bit. So. Yeah. Well, uh, that is all I have uh, for updates. I know people kind of complain sometimes when we really ramble on here at the beginning, so unless you have anything <laughs> else, Joe. <laughs> nope. All right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. September 24th, 2010, 39-year-old Todd Hofflander joined some friends on a multi-day hunting trip in the remote Idaho wilderness area called Hell's Canyon. As an experienced hiker, Todd was well-equipped to spend multiple days in the backcountry and had been on trips like this before. On the fourth day of Todd's trip, he experienced knee pain and decided to split from the group. This would be the last time anyone would see Todd until his remains were discovered. Join us this week as we discuss the disappearance of Todd Hofflander. Hell's Canyon, or Wallowa-Whitman National Forest, is located in Idaho and is roughly 615,000 acres. It was established in 1975 by President Gerald Ford and sees just over half a million visitors per year. That was of data as of 2003. Yeah, they didn't really have um, 
very good data on this area. And it's part of the much larger national forest, which is a couple million square acres. So um, it looks like a pretty cool area. I almost hate doing these because we see so many cool spots <laughs> that I didn't know about. And then we see them and then I just get mad that we can't go. Yeah. Just some a little backstory. The earliest residents of Hills Canyon was the Nez Pierce tribe. So is this uh, close to Nez Pierce Wilderness where we've had, was it one or two cases that we've actually covered in that area? Um, I want to say yes, but I know if we're wrong, we will we will find out. Well, I'm like 90% <laughs> sure the I think one it's, where, I think it's the called one episode. Nez Pierce. Nez Pierce? Nez Pierce. Oh, Nez Pierce. Then maybe the other one is Nez Pierce. I just remember the one where it was they were filming a TV show and there was a guy who was like uh, a key grip yep. that like just kind of just ran off and that was in this area. So, okay, we can move on from that. <laughs> uh, Hell's Canyon Archaeological District is a 12,000 acre historic district that is listed in the U.S. National Register of Hor- Historic Places. There are many sites with pictographs and and the largest of which are Buffalo Eddy with more than 500 pictogra- pictographs and Pittsburgh's Landing, where nearly 30 boulders are covered with them. In 1806, three members of the Lewis and Clark Expedition Team entered the canyon region along the Salmon River, but turned back without going deeper into the canyon. Hell's Canyon is the deepest river gorge in North America. At 7,900 feet, Hell's Canyon is actually deeper than the Grand Canyon. So is it just small in size and just really aggressively deep? Yeah, so it's uh, obviously the Grand Canyon is... It's like vast. It's vast. Uh, but yeah, Hell's Canyon is just, it's deeper. So it's, yeah, it's not okay. as like vast as if you saw the Grand Canyon. Oh, and Joe, okay. uh, just to update, I while you were talking just now, I looked up how close um, Hell's Canyon is to, it's called the Nez Pierce, uh, Nez Perce uh, National Forest. It's about... I want to say 270 miles to the okay, south. Okay, so they're like not related, but the tribe was probably in the air, like mm-hmm. encompassed that area. So they just named a lot of stuff after the tribe. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Heaven's Gate Lookout is high above Hell's Canyon. And on a clear day is a place where you can see the state of Washington, Montana, and Oregon. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. You can see three different states from, from the, that height. And just a fun fact uh, did you know, Mike, in Idaho, it is illegal for a person to fish while riding the back of a camel? <laughs> I, uh, I didn't know that, Joe. Um, <laughs> that's a really strange law since camels aren't, uh, you know, natural to Idaho. But that's the Bob's law. It's one of it's, there's some guy named Bob did something with a camel and fishing. They're like, you know what? We're just going to make this illegal so it doesn't happen again. Yep. <laughs> so the climate in the area uh, coldest months, as you can imagine, are December and January with lows in the teens, while the hottest months are July and August with temps in the low 70s. So it's a pretty temperate climate. Mm-hmm. Uh, average snowfall in the two coldest months are about a foot of snow, while rainfall in the summer is between one and two inches a month. So, you know, looking at the, the climate, you can definitely tell that it's it's kind of a drier uh, area. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know this from experience. Some of the yep. mountainous regions in like Colorado get a ton of you know snow in the winter and um, you know rain in the summer. So it, it probably has something to do with being on the east side of the the mountains. I can't remember the range now. Out. In- yeah, I know it's um we we mentioned rain shadow and we screwed something up and somebody got mad at us. So I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> 
because I'm not a climatologist or a weather person. Um, but I understand that the mountains do something with the atmosphere to which sometimes it doesn't rain as much. So there, <laughs> there you go. I think that that's the way I'm going to put it. Works for me. <laughs> um, so other weather considerations, um, you can get the flash floods, frostbite in the winter, which is also hypothermia you can get from being wet. You don't necessarily have to be in winter either. I should, I should change that to just say you can get hypothermia uh, at night if you're wet. Mm-hmm. You don't have the proper drying or heating. Uh, lightning can always be an issue when they're atop a mountain. And uh, when they do get snow, uh, there are avalanche potentials. Yep. So the terrain is steep and rugged, uh, with elevations going from about 8,000 feet to 1,500 feet above sea level. Uh, some peaks in the National Forest are near 10,000 feet, so you're not going to have anything over 10,000 feet. Yeah. So it's not too high. You still get a little bit of that potential altitude sickness, but not nearly as bad as if you're up in the 14s. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the animals in the area, uh, Rocky Mountain elk, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, mountain goats, white-tailed deer, mule deer. There are... Timberwolves, black bears, cougars, bobcats, rattlesnakes, wolverines, and different types of falcons and eagles. So I'd say if any animal was going to be an issue, you're you're in that the cats and the bears, uh, and the timberwolf area. And I'd say rattlesnakes too are, are would be an issue. Yeah, actually, reading some comments from uh, locals on uh, a forum where I was doing some research on this case, they actually said rattlesnakes are some of the biggest concerns in this area. So. Uh, is there like a big population of rattlesnakes more so than normal? They just said they, they've encountered a lot of rattlesnakes in this wilderness area. So it's, if you go hiking in this national forest or the canyon, just be on the lookout for rattlesnakes. They'll, I'm, I'm going to make a hypothesis about this because we ran into this when we were in – where were we again? Zion. Zion. And the reason why is because it was raining so much, and they said when it rains a lot, they'll actually come onto the path because the sun hits the path and it's warmer. I wonder if you have rattlesnakes in a much colder climate, if it's kind of the same thing, where like everything's so shaded and rugged, where the path is actually the best place for like a warm-blooded creature to be, so they're encountering them more often. If there's any uh, snake experts listening, let us know in the comments. Um... Yeah, that's that's my hypothesis. I, I'm not saying that that's the reason, <laughs> so don't yell at me. I'm guessing. Yeah. This is a guess. <laughs> so, yeah, outside of just uh, rugged terrain, there's some exposure, potential, lack of shelter that you'll see once you're reaching high elevations. The difficulty, there's nearly 900 miles of hiking trails in this area, and there are also 17 campgrounds. So there's a lot of places to go. Yep. Trails do range from easy to very hard, and hiking and backpacking available for any age and experience. So what they're saying is you could, there's there's probably some easy ones you can do, uh, but there's also some gnarly backcountry that you can get into. Yeah, and one thing I would stress that kept coming up in all my research on this case in this area is it's very, very rugged and very remote. I There's a stat somewhere um, where there's a huge percentage of this national forest that doesn't even have access to a uh, road. So, uh, Oh, like you have to go like horseback or hike to get to the certain areas. Yeah. So it, you know, it's very remote, which means there's not going to be a lot of options for, like we said, shelter or first aid or, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, services. So you really, if you're doing a backcountry you know, trip in a place like this, you really got to prepare. And I would even, I would 
if I was going hiking here, I'd probably buy a personal locator beacon and take it with me um, just in case something happened. Those are it's the easiest way to get rescued. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, when you're that far back, it's going to that's like the big key is, well, A, you always want to leave your itinerary, but yeah. it's going to take teams some time to get out to you if they can't simply just drive there because of the the nature if you're down in the canyon you know gps is going to have a hard time working you're not going to have cell phone service with those personal locator beacons they usually work off of satellites and um a lot of them i believe are one-time use but uh you know it could be life or death if you went missing in a place like this so just you know something to think about all right well let's uh let's learn about todd yeah, so uh, Todd Hofflander, like we said, a 39-year-old male. If he was around today, he'd be 50. He was six foot one, weighed 185 pounds, so pr- seemed like a pretty fit guy. He had brown hair, brown eyes. Uh, he was last seen wearing a green T-shirt with a white design on the front. He had blue jeans on, a baseball cap. Um, he had size 10 hiking boots and a gold wedding band. He was, you know, carrying a camouflage print backpack. Uh, he had a mustache and goatee and um, four scars on, uh, on his left ear from previous piercings. And he also had some tattoos on him. Uh, a little bit later, I'll get into um, the tattoos, but he did have, uh, he had King tattooed across his shoulder blades and Thug Life tattooed across his abdomen. So, um those will tie back into one of my theories down the road, so I won't right. I won't get into it now. Um, as far as personality, we didn't get a lot of information on his personality, but we do know of some medical issues that may or may not have factored into his disappearance. So he did have back surgery and cranial surgery that resulted in scars that were visible. So it it didn't say what the surgeries were caused by, but we do know that he had some, you know, some pretty serious uh, surgery. And Todd's wife had also mentioned that, uh, you know, before this trip and during this trip, Todd was experiencing um, some knee pain. And Joe, I know I've hiked with you. You had messed up your knee on one of our hikes and it's, it, yeah, and glacier. yeah, going up when your knee hurts isn't the problem. It's coming down. <laughs> yeah, you put all, well, that's that's like what it is, is when you're going, and everyone would think it's going up, but you're actually not straining it as much. When you're going downhill, even if it's not like a mountain, all of your impact force is just hitting and hitting and hitting, and then you have all the way to your backpack and all that stuff, so you're just putting it all on your knees. Yeah, so this, I think... This issue with his knee probably, I won't get into too much detail. I think this played a a significant role in his disappearance, potentially, in one of my theories. So uh, he was, from everything I read, a very experienced hiker, and he was sufficiently prepared for, you know, over the overnight trip, multiple days in the backcountry. He was carrying a pistol. Uh, the caliber was unknown, but they said he had five bullets. He had a lighter with him. Um, he had some some food with him. He had three jugs of water, two cans of chicken, chewy bars and uh, pots, a uh, 15 degree bright red sleeping bag. Uh, a 15 degree means that the sleeping bag is good down to 15 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, 
And that means it will keep you alive at 15 degrees. Yeah, it doesn't mean comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to be super warm and cozy. Yeah, but it just means you won't freeze. Um, yep. And they said it was estimated that he had about 50 pounds on his back in his backpack, which, you know, you and I can relate to. I feel like my pack's always pretty that's heavy. A lot, that's a lot of weight. That is. That's a lot of weight. I'm, I'm usually trying to shoot for like... 25 to 35 yeah. and 35 being like a really long back country. Like if it's only a couple days, I'm usually like 15 to 25. So 50 pounds. That's a lot. A lot. Of, that's well, a lot. Well, and if, remember this was uh, a hunting trip. They weren't necessarily out there hiking. So he may have had extra gear yeah, for hunting. He, yeah. If he, yeah. If he had like a rifle and ammunition, that would be a ton of weight. Yep. So, okay. yeah. So it also, we know that he did not have a radio or a cell phone. Uh, I harp on the cell phone thing. Every episode, I, always bring your phone with you even if you know there's no reception if you get lost there's always a chance you might pick up a tower for a minute or two um and it's happened to yeah me. <laughs> and the the radio thing is is interesting i've gone hunting you know before in the past up in northern wisconsin with you know groups of people and we always have some radios with us because sometimes we do split off and uh you know, you want to be able to communicate with the other members of your group. So having a radio with you is kind of um, important. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's pretty crucial. Yeah. And uh, finally, he had his dog with him. Um, I believe it was a black lab and the dog was named Ruby and it had a red doggy backpack on. So that is kind of the the summary of Todd, I would say. They say he was experienced. I have a couple issues with that that I'll kind of get into at the end of the episode. Um, you know, he had some questionable tattoos that, you know, may have been an issue here. And he had some medical issues. So, um, he had, you know, some stuff going on. So, jumping right into the timeline, Joe. Uh, so, this all starts off on September 24th, 2010. So, Todd uh, and a couple of his friends decide to go on a hunting trip scouting for uh, mule deer between the locations of Windy Saddle and McAfee uh, Cabin. The group had planned a four-day hike in the Hell's Canyon area. So they, they had an itinerary set up. They kind of you know knew what the game plan was. So the first couple days go great, no issues. So now we're on day four, uh, September 27th. At some point during the day, we don't know when this happened, the group decided to split up. And from everything I read, basically Todd was experiencing some significant knee pain that day. I'm, and I'm not shocked. He, you know, after hiking for several days, probably was really flaring up on him. And I think he, his wife believes that the group split up to – give you know Todd was going to take his time getting back while the the rest of the group moved forward and a lot of people question splitting up like this and from what I read people said that because they felt Todd was experienced and prepared that he'd be okay on his own I I'm just always hesitant to ever split a group up you know when we're hiking I always you know it's always good to leave it yeah. you know at least pairs um, especially someone that's injured. I don't know how I feel about, you know, the rest of the group going on ahead and just letting, you know, the injured guy hobble along. Uh, so, um, that's a little questionable in my mind, but this, 
the September 27th would be the last time anyone would uh, see or hear Todd. So they were hiking together, split up, and now he's missing. All right, so fast forward to the next day, September 28th, 2010. Todd failed to show up at their ending spot at noon. So uh, when that happened, his friends notified the authorities and a search and rescue operation uh, kicked off not too long after. Uh, from what I what I was able to uh, research, there were backcountry medics out of, uh, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, Joe, out of uh, Orofino and a helicopter from Hillcrest Aircraft Company to assist in the, the early search. And the airborne searchers flew kind of in a grid pattern uh, of Bernard Creek, Bills Creek, Lightning Creek, uh, and the east and west branches of Sheep Creek, McAfee Basin, and Bear Basin. So they were, uh, they were searching a, a good chunk of the area. In addition to the aerial teams, they had dog teams from uh, Idaho and Clearwater counties. Uh, they also joined the operation. They also set up an incident command post uh, at Heaven's Gate Lookout, and that was manned by personnel from the Sheriff's Department of uh, Idaho and Clearwater County. So pretty, pretty good-sized um, search and rescue operation going on. And in addition to Todd being missing, his dog was missing too at this time. So um, there was mention that they were doing aerial uh, thermal imaging but according to one of the searchers the thermal imaging is difficult at best and can be greatly hampered by tree cover deep valleys gorges and canyons so and i could see that like the heat signatures not being able to get through the canopy if it's heav heavily heavy brush and yeah stuff. so you know we always talk about um the you know the thermal imaging that a lot of the aerial helicopters use and this is an instance where you know it's not that effective uh, it's probably more effective in places, I would say, like uh, a Joshua Tree National Park, some, something more sure. flat and open. Um, so, yep. okay, moving on to October 7th. So the search is still going on. He was reported missing on the 28th. We're now on October 7th. Uh, the search continues. The Idaho County Sheriff's um, team has continued to search by ground for the past four days. Canine teams from uh, the High Country Search Search dogs uh, began arriving, and multiple teams were deployed throughout that location the next few days after this. Um, so they actually were getting dog teams from several different states. So they got teams from Montana, Wyoming, Washington, and Utah. So uh, pretty pretty cool to see that kind of coordination and uh, effort. You know, it's what, a week or two after he went missing. So... Uh, fast forward to October 15th now, and actually some good news happens. Todd's dog, Ruby, a black Labrador retriever, was found on the eastern slopes of Seven Devils Mountain Range, according to a local news report from the time. So that is, that's pretty remarkable, the, that his dog was found. Uh, they said he, the dog was dehydrated, but otherwise in good condition. So, um, it, it's... Searchers at the time said they were puzzled by the location of where the dog was found since uh, Todd was last seen on the western side of the canyon and the dog was on the eastern side and there's no way from what I researched that you can get across the river in that area. So um, 
I mean, the dog somehow got over there, but it's just, it, it stuck out to me when I was doing the research that the, the searchers were made a note to say that this was a puzzling discovery. Um, sure. One thing the searchers tried to do was they tried to get Ruby to lead them back to Todd, but they had no success doing that. So pretty smart idea to try. Yeah, yeah, you always hear stories of the dogs trying to help out, but maybe the dog didn't didn't like or was like too disoriented or yeah. something. I mean, I, I know from experience when I've gone um, bird hunting in the past, the dog always knows the path back to the truck. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, was the dog moved by somebody or, you know, who knows? We'll get into the theories on that. So fast forward now to October 19th. This was the final day of the search for Todd. Um, you know, they've searched for the better part of a month. And I think they were planning to end the search a little earlier, but then they found his dog and got hopeful um, that, you know, it might lead to finding Todd. From comments that I read from people that uh, lived in the area or worked there, they speculated that the chance of Todd surviving that long in the the Devil's Canyon um, area was pretty slim at that point. But, um, you know, like I said, his family remained hopeful at this time as uh, an experienced outdoorsman that he would somehow find a way to survive. And uh, from what I read, his wife did make some visits to the area to continue the search, which is pretty common to see families after the the official search ends families will continue to, you know, hit the park and walk the trails and, you know, try to do whatever they can. Uh, sure. I mean, it's got to feel, you got to feel so yeah. hopeless almost like, and like, almost like you just got to do something, even if it's kind of perilous, like it's just better than not doing anything yeah. at all. So um, that was really the last bit of information we had for over a decade on this case. And then, there was a huge break in the case on April 26th of 2020. So the Idaho County Sheriff's Office and the Idaho County Coroner were notified by a hunter who found what he believed to be remains of a a skull above Bernard Creek. Uh, So the hunter located other items in the area, including a pack containing camping equipment and a digital camera. So this uh, hunter reported this information and the uh, law enforcement officials uh, sent out eight personnel from the sheriff's office, and they were taken by jet boat to the mouth of the Bernard Creek um, by Kilgore Adventures. Uh, they then hiked approximately one mile in where they located a portion of a human skull and other skeletal remains. Uh, they also found hunting gear and a pack that Hofflander's wife positively identified as belonging to her husband. Uh, officers were also able to recover photographs off an SD card located in the pack, which belonged to Hofflander. The authorities said that everything found at the scene indicated that the remains were Todd. So did they talk about what was on the, the SD card, like the photographs? Um, they just said that they were photographs that belonged to Hofflander, uh, in the, in the official okay. press release. Uh, there wasn't any other information, uh, on the, the pictures on the camera. Um, okay. So now fast forward to actually just very recently, January, late January of 2021, the uh, 
human remains found were actually officially identified as Todd Hofflander um, by the FBI, and they used uh, DNA, DNA analysis. So, um, v- you know, very recently that he actually was identified as Todd. So, um, okay. that that's kind of where the timeline uh, stops, Joe. And I I wrote down some of my my thoughts and questions about this case. And mm-hmm. then I also have some comments from some locals in the area too, that we can kind of go through. But so a couple of my questions I have, and you can, you can let me know if I'm, I'm an idiot or, or what, but I, you know, if he was this experienced uh, first, my first thought right away was why, why was he wearing jeans while hiking a rugged Alpine area? Um, you know, if, if those jeans got wet, or he fell into a, you know, any kind of moisture gets on him. They're going to be, it's going to be a hell of a time to try. Well, the, yeah, they'll heavy. get heavy and it just no, doesn't, and, they don't dry out fast at all. Yeah, like and at this said. time of the year, October, it's going to be getting pretty cold at night. And the last thing you want to have on is, you know, cold, wet jeans. So um, that was a, a red flag for me. I uh, already covered this earlier, but no cell phone or radio. Um Everyone knows my thoughts on that. <laughs> um, you, know, it, you know, if Todd was experiencing a bad knee, was splitting up the correct decision for the group to make? In my opinion, no. Uh, I, we don't know. We actually don't know how many were in the group. Um, but even so, I would, I would leave one person behind with him, and even if there's, you're only a three-person group, send the other one ahead. Um, so mm-hmm. that was another red flag for me. Um, so another big red flag for me was, so if Todd was experiencing bad enough knee pain that prevented him from continuing on at the pace that the group was going, uh, why were his remains then found over a mile away in a direction where he would have gone up, you know, several thousand feet in steep terrain in the opposite direction of where uh, he started or was planning to finish. So, I, yeah, that definitely doesn't. Yeah, make sense. I. Uh, when we post this episode, we can post an image of where the approximate location of where his his remains were found. And I actually looked at a topographic map, and it looks like some pretty tough terrain to hike. And I just don't know how you would do that with a you know a bum knee in the complete wrong direction. I mean, yeah, you'd be going a lot slower too. Like I could imagine that the group would even catch up to him on the yeah. way back. Yeah. Uh, because he wouldn't be able to get there as yeah, fast. Yeah, so that that's a puzzling red flag. Uh, I, like I mentioned earlier, the fact that his dog was found on the other side of the canyon is um, is puzzling. And dogs don't leave their their human owners. Um, I've heard of stories, you know, someone passes away in the wilderness, and the dog will stay w- even with their body. Um, dogs, it's just natural for the dog to you know stay with their humans. So it's very odd that the dog was found so far away from where Todd was last seen. Um, and like I said, you know, Todd's injury, I, there, how would he have gotten to the other side of the Canyon? So again, doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. And yeah, a lot of stuff doesn't <laughs> yeah. Up. and then, you know, my final question, you know, I, I mentioned he has a lot of unusual tattoos and, uh, you know, I don't have anything against tattoos, but, um, the fact that he had, you know, a 
thug life tattoo across his abdomen and king on his back you know makes me wonder was he was he a part of a gang what did he serve time in um the prison system we th- those that's just total speculation on my part there's no evidence to back either of those two theories up but yeah, I was going to ask you that earlier because I was wondering why you brought that up, and I didn't know if they did say, oh, he had run-ins with no. people or no, something. No, but they uh, – an insider on this this forum, and I'll preface this. This is a forum from – I believe it's um, – a lot of retired search and rescue personnel are on it, and there were actually a lot of people from this area that had ties to this case on the forum. And I can link – I can leave a link to the forum – um, someone on there actually said that uh, privately they heard the law, enf- law enforcement speculate that there was foul play involved. So, like the group, yeah, something was responsible. Either the group or something else happened to Todd that was not of natural causes, like a, a fall or something. Um, that's all that they left it at. That they didn't talk any more about that and take it with a grain of salt. Um, a lot of the information that was coming out of this, these people on the forum seemed uh, legit. So um, I'll leave that up to the listeners to kind of decide if they believe it or not. Um, but so just a couple more before we kind of get into theories, Joe. Uh, I've, I've got a couple okay. more just comments from people who lived in the area kind of talking about Hell's Canyon Um about what kind of experience Todd would have gone through. So, uh, and I'll preface these, these are taken from uh, this forum. And so I, you know, they could be right, could be wrong. You kind of, we've been doing this long enough. You can kind of tell when people are, are, you know, you think it's true, but so, you know, it's up to the listeners to decide. But um, one guy sure. goes on to say a total drop of over 6,000 feet with a bunch of, of up and down over 10 miles, that doesn't bow well for a bad knee. If he goes down the wrong fork, his mind and knee will not let him back up. Uh, another person goes on to say the terrain bodes ill will for Hofflander. If he takes a wrong fork, he is caught in a gravity trap, which uh, I'll get into what the urban dictionary definition of that is. I was going to say I've never heard that term before. No, I've never heard of it interest. either, but I have experienced it. Um, so it says he's caught. Yeah. He's oh. caught in a gravity trap that flows out of sheep Creek. That is one nasty survival hike. A week has passed. He must focus on water and one step at a time. If he is forced down sheep Creek, his odds are poor. And, uh, so a gravity trap that base gravity lulls you to sleep by the ease of your hike. After many miles in the bottom of a Canyon, you eventually run into a vertical drop too tired to reverse and go back up or over you go. So, um, you know, I've experienced, I guess, kind of some form of that. Um, so hold on, explain it like I'm five. <laughs> I, I like, didn't like, it's like an easy hike down and then you get to like this vertical face and the only way back is a turn around. Yeah. It's something like, but like, but like, are you like mentally like, well, screw that. I'll just try and figure out how to get down. And then you fall. Is that uh, what it is? Kind of. It, so it's like, the, the hike down into the valley is, you know, it kind of lulls you into thinking like, oh, this is pretty easy. And then you get to the end and it's, uh, 
you've got to like, you know, there's like a vertical climb and you're too tired to uh, reverse and go back up the way you came. So you kind of just attempt to to try, you know, do the hard part. And yeah, like you said, maybe you get injured then. Um, I don't know why they call it a gravity trap. I've, I've never heard that definition before. Probably because like gravity helps you like so easily down it's like really enticing and then you yeah, get stuck maybe and maybe if you're already injured uh you know you're already kind of maybe not thinking in the you know with the clarity that you would if you were unharmed um yeah i've, no, I've literally never, never heard that term before. a lot of these cases <laughs> uh two more comments uh so another person writes uh it's gorgeous but steep and tough terrain to be lost in my late uncle had a ranch there and i went on a pack trip with him in the early 70s, definitely not a place to be lost in. And the final comment I found was, my fear is that Todd may have taken a spill. A spill would limit ability to travel. Shock is a valuable survival response, avoiding pain from traumatic injury. Uh, so to have other survival instincts uh, helps until it kills you. <laughs> uh, I know of several places to hole up in the terrain. He, he might be waiting. I only hope he was able to crawl across them as I found them. So some of these comments were happening while the search was still going on, as you can tell. Um, but from what I gathered, it's, it's some pretty nasty terrain and not somewhere you want to be lost in, especially if you're injured. Um, so with that, Joe, I will open up the floor to hear what you think happened to him. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at your map right now and I know we'll post yeah. it online. I'm looking at the one that has all the letter waypoints. So can you explain to me? And like I said, I'll post this on our Facebook yeah. page so you guys will be able to see it too. Are this which one was the fork you supposed to be going up? Um so they were supposed to end So G is started. They were a supposed hike. to end at E. So he was so you're going G to His e. last known location that people saw him at was uh, Waymarker A. Um, and he was going to turn around and go back to G? Uh, no, up to E. <laughs> Sorry for people listening. Um, we have a... Well, so, yeah, I'm looking at... It's, it's like... So he there was no... They're going... Starting in one way and then ending in another, and they're going to get out at that end, or they're going to come all the way back again. Uh, I that I don't know. I just know the end point was so basically for people listening, they were starting. Okay. If you're looking at a map, they're starting at the bottom of the map. They go about halfway up and then they go left. Uh, they stay at a camp, then they come back right and keep going north on the map to an end point. Okay. And his body is found like way his body off was found way marker H. Yeah, which is so like where they did their first camp was way off i'm just trying yeah that's yeah. so weird so you can kind of see and so where they were where his body was found and where the camp was is the western side and i believe we said the dog was found on the eastern side so that too um yeah i've got a way marker for it so f yeah ruby was found okay so ruby was found like back where they start so ruby like made it back oh, to like the start. even farther back once, yeah, like they passed yeah. the start. Um, anyone who's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll try and like give a visual. So like, imagine as Mike said a map, and it's a topo map. So you see the mountains. Um, if it starts like at the bottom in the middle of the map, 
And that's where they started. Then they follow this river. And then right where this river forks, they do a left turn and then go a couple uh, a mile or so and camp. And then they're supposed to go just north from there. The body was found still like even more west of that camp. The dog was all the way, not only all the way back where they started, but way off east of where they started, like a couple miles. So like the dog almost like went back to where they started and I like, kept going yeah. east. So uh, it, it's very strange. And this is amazing that we have this detail in, you know. Well, in, so like I was just looking, like I wanted to look at this because I was like, okay, is there rivers that could have carried him? Like, so, like, and it's, there's no water. Well, there. where he was. No major river Where his sources. body was found, he was actually above a, a river. Um, he was a, above, above Bernard a Creek. So. Uh, there are okay. actually quite a few. Uh, yeah, I'm saying mostly not big enough to show up in the topo map. So, like, I'm sure there's water sources, but they have, like, the larger yeah. water sources. Yeah, on and like okay. I said, in the, the um, timeline, hmm. the Snake River, which is west of where his body was found, is what the uh, sheriff's team, when they found his body, they took a jet boat down that river, then parked it at the mouth of the Bernard, uh, Bernard Creek, and then had to hike to where his body was. Yeah, so he like wasn't carried because he wouldn't be on the upper level. Yeah. That's okay, so yeah, I wish there was more reports on who he was with and what his relationship was with the group. Cause I am just and you know what? It's I'd say implicit bias because you mentioned the tattoos, so I think you may have seated me a little bit. Um, just cause and and here's the deal, like not judging him for tattoos, but there are patterns when people get certain types of tattoos like you see you know firefighters get like celtic crosses there's there's types of he doesn't meet the description of someone who'd wear a tattoo that says thug life he looks like like a just plain old midwest midwestern guy yep. that it, it just doesn't match so like that i would agree with you maybe there was some sort of gang affiliation or something and like I said, you, you kind of put that bias in me. I almost wonder if it was a murder and they carried him that way, dumped yeah. him. And hell, it worked for a long time until somebody stumbled across the body. Really. Yeah. And, you know, reading through some of the comments on Reddit, uh, there was a lot of speculation about some. Uh, I guess they somehow found out the name of one of the the people that was in the group. And I didn't want to include any of that in in the episode, I okay, yeah, no, I, I don't want to dox people and um, things like that. I mean, you can anybody listening can go find the stuff themselves. But um, there were a lot of there was a lot of speculation about some of the people that he was actually hunting with, and he was from Idaho, so um, okay. yeah, I mean that's a that's a solid theory that you know maybe something during the hike, you know, a couple days with you know some people you kind of can you get on each other's nerves maybe they got into like a heated fight maybe they've been drinking or something and so, you know they shot him or you know who knows um yeah he had a he had a gun with him which i don't remember reading anywhere that the gun that he had with him was recovered so um and his body you know it was so decomposed and from being out in the wilderness for 10 years, I doubt they'll be able to determine if he was shot or not. Yeah. That's yeah. It's almost like it, they got away with it. If I'm going down that, that, that road, they found bone fragments in like a, a partial 
you know, piece of his skull. So it's not like they found an intact skeleton or anything like that. Yeah, and based on the ant, the like the forging animals mm-hmm. around there, I'm sure like that could have they could have created the damage to the bones that might otherwise be attributed to like blunt force trauma or something like that. But if it's ten years yeah. of getting knocked around and, and with all that uh, yeah stuff, with cougars, so. uh, you know, timber wolves and black bears, you know, if you mm-hmm. they're definitely gonna you know scavenge uh, on that. And, you know, the theory of foul play would make sense why the dog was found maybe by where they started. I mean, maybe the group took his dog with them after they murdered him and then dropped the dog off just, you know, where they had parked. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the dog could have made the, the walk all the way back. That wouldn't shock me either. Um, the dog would know the way, you know, the dog can smell the path back to the, you know, the way they came. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, there's, there's so <laughs> many, yeah, that's very, I, I, I'm voting on foul play. I yeah. Am. I think, uh, and, and it's just a, a gut reaction. I don't have any, any type of evidence or proof to back up that comment other than that's just how yeah. I'm feeling. <laughs> so, yeah, I think my, my top two or three theories, I think, you know, we don't have a lot of cases where we kind of rule foul play as the first theory. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's just too much like, because although it's tough yeah. terrain, I don't the way the way that the locations panned out is what's really getting me. This doesn't seem like you can accidentally go that way. You people don't accidentally go into a more difficult location. Yeah, that that was my whole thing. If you know he really had a bum knee, I I don't see him. So if he he's at McAfee camp for based on the the. I mean, yeah, it's the opposite direction from which they came into camp. I can understand, like, if he, his body was found back towards, like, the, the way they were supposed to go, and he veered off yeah. somewhere. So, like, oh, he was going the direction of back to the car, but, he get, like, he wasn't going the direction to their destination or back to where they were. Yeah, started. and the, the terrain, the topo map, when you look at it from McAfee camp, it, it looks like it's down in a valley and, you know, very flat terrain, low elevation, and... Where they found his remains was at least five or six thousand feet higher, uh, which and th- there was a trail that kind of parallels Bernard Creek, but it's it's not right on the creek. It's it's definitely sent back a ways, and you still have to go up that steep terrain on that trail, or you're going you know off trail through you know rugged terrain. I just can't see why why he would. Um, you know, hike up there with a bad knee, especially if his plan was, all right, you guys go ahead. I'll, I'll catch up with you guys. Okay. Sounds good. Let me just hike in the wrong direction. (laughs) Right. That doesn't make sense to me. If I'm going to meet up with you, Joe, I, if I say, all right, I'll see you at the end, it's going to take me longer. I would, you know, go the same path you want. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like, yeah, something happened maybe with the group or, you never can rule out coming across someone else. This is a pretty remote part of the park um, or part of the national forest. Maybe there was some crazy guy living out in the woods. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, it sounds yeah. like he got murdered and someone dumped his body there. And, uh, you know, for 10 years, whoever did it you know, got away with it. But, you know, they, now they've they found his body. 
But like I said, with with it being over a decade and what they found, you know, I don't know how they're going to be able to come up with really any conclusion on on what happened to him. I mean, there's always a chance he he was injured and, you know, maybe he got turned around and he knew there was water over there. So he was trying to go to the Bernard Creek to get water. But, you know, why wouldn't you just go back the way you came? Yeah, maybe. Okay, so here's another theory just because I got to come up with something other than foul play just for <laughs> myself. I, what if what if they were drinking yeah. heavily and and he was inebriated and wanted to go back and just okay. the wrong way? Like, and so all those things happened. So, like, he was, like, inebriated in some way, shape, or form with recreational drugs or alcohol. And got turned just around. Thought he was going down a path. Yep, got turned around, went down the wrong path. Uh, you know, Maybe his knee got worse and he couldn't, he didn't, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, I don't know. You know, that would make sense if, like, he went missing at night. But from what I read, he went, like, they split up during the middle of the day. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, the group continued on and then he was supposed to follow and then he just never showed up. Um, that's not to say, maybe, you know. But I, I couldn't imagine, you know, if these guys are out hunting, you're probably not going to be drunk during the day. I mean, I guess, you know, some people do it different. But, <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think in you know, ma- major injury could be a, a possibility. Maybe what happened was he got turned around after they separated and got lost and then, you know, started wandering around and – I, you know, went the wrong direction, but man, I just, I just keep coming back to the fact that why would you go up 5,000 feet in the wrong direction? Yeah. I mean, if he's experienced as, you know, they said he was that, that's kind of a a real rookie mistake to make. (laughs) Um, I'm sure the trails there aren't that well marked, but, uh, they're trails. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think foul play, maybe some kind of injury due to terrain. Um, you know, I mean, animal attack's always possible, but I don't feel like – I mean, he had a, a gun with him. So he did have some protection. Um, yeah, I don't know. It This is a puzzling one. I Because his remains were just officially identified – you know, only two months ago. I'm wondering if we'll we'll eventually get more information about this case. Yeah, I hope they're able to do some forensics magic and figure something else out just from the remains. Maybe they can look at the skull and see if there is any blunt force trauma to the skull or look at the... the... You know what? Why wouldn't they be able to? We watched... <laughs> I mean, didn't they figure out, like, Tutankhamun was, like possibly killed with blunt force trauma (laughs) like based on x-rays of the like granted yeah he was like embalmed and everything but still like i don't know i feel like we we have enough knowledge built up to show like what's natural because they even have i've seen these there's like this place where you can donate your body and they actually put these like they basically leave these bodies out you can like look on google maps and see it from like google satellite and the whole point is they leave these bodies outside to, like, watch them decompose in nature to help forensic specialists, like, learn what happens to a body okay. in nature. 
Interesting. I did not. Yeah. You should look it up. It's actually pretty creepy. You can, they, there's a, like, on, it's one of those things you can see on Google Maps. Like, it's saved somewhere where you can zoom in, and it's, like, basically a bunch of these, like, bodies laying out, like, in a field with, like, very, like, cages around them that keep animals away, I guess, but just to watch them decompose. So it's really kind of creepy, but... I mean, I guess that you, there's you got to train if you're going into that field as a forensic investigator. You can't you got to train. Um, I see why they would do that. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I maybe some of the bone fragments were you know maybe they can analyze those to see if you know he broke anything or you know it's just hard to say because yeah. being out there for a decade, you know, animals have probably you know gnawed on things and um, I don't know. We will. Uh, Hopefully, we'll find out more in the coming months about this case. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, Joe, that that's kind of all I had on this one. Any any final thoughts? No, I'm. even though I tried to come up with another thing, I feel like that was foul play. I think there's foul play. That's my bet. Yeah, that's what I'm leaning on. All right. So, so, so yeah. we're in agreement. <laughs> we are. <laughs> okay yeah i think um it'll be important i um once we release this thing we'll throw the images out there and so people can see what we're talking about and you did a good job of labeling like the different locations and stuff so but um outside of that thanks again for tuning into the show uh we appreciate all of you for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family always be sure to like and follow us on facebook if you are not already we also have instagram and twitter and lastly, we got our YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to our show, and that helps us generate uh, revenue. I, we're almost at a, enough subscriptions where we can start doing ads-based revenue on there. So it's a free way to yep. support the show. Um, and I also have uh, Mike put up the interview from the History Channel. We have other cool videos yeah. on there as well. Uh, if you would like to support the show monetarily, you can visit our Facebook store and buy some cool swag. We got mugs and stickers and hats. And you can also, as we mentioned in the beginning, uh, donate on our Patreon account where you will have access to uh, that swag as well uh, if you're a member long enough. And you can hear uh, special shows that are not airing on the uh, podcast platforms. So outside of that, uh, just remember, whenever you're enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or just taking a walk Always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we'll see you all next time.